0: Good morning and happy Mother's Day. It is Sunday, uh 8:08 a.m. I just got off of uh my overnight shift from 8 p.m. to 4:45 a.m. So, in other words, I'm a, a little bit tired. Um so first and foremost, happy Mother's Day again, and it's a little bit cloudy, a little bit hazy today, but you know, I love morning, so you know, it's what it is. So I did mention that I was going to be doing a vlog rather than a podcast, but since I've been promoted to supervisor these past three weeks, it's, it's I'm a bit limited of time, really. Um, I have to go back to work again at uh, 10 a.m. to 2.30 today. So, I mean, if anything, it's just a four and a half hour shift. So, you know, I'm a little bit tired is what I'm trying to get across. Um, and I really wish I had the time to do a vlog, to edit. I mean, yeah, vlog to edit and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm a bit limited on time. Um, I'm doing this project at 8.08 a.m. But, you know, um, I'm still confident that I can get a podcast through. It may not be as interesting as a vlog, but, you know, oh, well. Um, I should have done this sooner. But, yeah, again, uh, every, I saved things to the last minute. But, you know, with that being said, um, let's do this podcast. So, um, my podcast will be regarding my encyclopedia entry uh project uh from earlier this semester it's pretty much a question that i've always wanted to know by myself before even doing the encyclopedia project and it started with the question of uh you know the most popular car brand in the united states um there's this statistic here that i'll be using um i'll be using the statistic uh two books Um, One titled, The United States of Toyota, by Peter DiLorenzo, and the other book, How Toyota Became Number One, by David McGee, both scholarly books. Um, I will include those in my vlog summary. Um, But pretty much what uh, Peter DiLorenzo says in the book is um, that today is a statistic back in 2017 regarding the most popular car brand in California. And it pretty much stated that 28% of all new vehicles sold in California alone are Toyotas. Now, you might be thinking, oh, it's not that big of a number. It's not that, uh, you know, overshadowing of a number. But consider this. There is 31 car brands on the market today that you could choose from. And for Toyota to have an impressive number of 20% in California alone is a big statistic. I mean, there's more than, I believe, 35 million people if not more in California so in other words it's a very popular car brand I mean every time I go out to the freeway um, I always see at least oh half the cars are Toyotas Honda's another story but you know regardless we're doing Toyota Um, over the years my family has bought nothing but Toyotas I mean right now in the driveway uh, there's three Toyotas in our driveway Um, my Toyota Camry my uh, our Toyota Highlander, and my aunt's new recently, new Toyota, I mean, not Toyota, Alexis uh RX crafted line, 2015. Lexus is Toyota, so, you know, I'll be considering that as well. But what I'm trying to get across is that, you know, Toyota is a very, you know, it's a very popular brand, to say the least, especially here in the West Coast and all over the United States. I mean, I don't know that any, really, any other family members of mine and friends that have, you know... Uh, cars that are outside of the Japanese uh, market, like Ford or General Motors and Chrysler. In fact, when I talked to my uh, relatives today that lived in my house with me about a day ago, um, I really much asked their opinions on Ford and General Motors and Chrysler and their experiences with them. So, in other words, to you know, the overall perception is that they are you know shitty cars. <laughs> uh, that's what they pretty much said. That's their words and. You know, I they their experiences with Ford and Chevy uh were terrible. I mean my grandfather said that, you know, he bought one uh, Buick back in the eighties or late eighties. That was one of his first cars. Early eighties, I'm sorry. Um it it was the biggest piece of crap he ever experienced <laughs> that way it went through a boatload of troubles. Um he spent hundreds of dollars on repairs and just like i think the two years alone the first two years and he swore he'd never buy another american car again because you know they're pretty crap and so soon after i mean that kind of reputation took over the entire family and you know i see no one else in my family driving anything outside of toyotas um so this isn't just my family of course this is like pretty much everybody in california i mean how many priests do you see on the freeway how many uh uh, Honda Civics. It's a It's a it's Honda, but still a Japanese brand. How did they become very popular? I mean, this is the United States, right? We're known for Ford pickups and, you know, the the Mustangs, the the Chevy big truck Suburbans, the you know General Motors, pretty much. So how did this brand Toyota become very successful in the United States? And again, the two books that I referred back to earlier uh do a great job of answering those questions and it's something that I've always found fascinating, like how did that come to be? Um how has the reputation of Ford and General Motors sank and Toyota kept going up and up and up. Um and funny statistic, um again referring back to the United States Toyota by Peter DiLorenzo, Toyota uh it says let's see here, I'm reading it da da da, da. Oh, it says that Toyota has now overtaken Ford and General Motors in total overall sales west of the Mississippi for the past two years. Um, so, it's quite shocking, really. So, we're going to dwell into just that. So, just to trim it down a little bit, to narrow down the reasons why. There's pretty much two main reasons to why this is. One, um, it's has to do with corporate greed. And two, it has to do with uh, vehicle quality in the American car manufacturers. So those are really the two main reasons why, and I'll dwell into those in just a bit. Um, so with that being said, let's start with corporate greed. So uh, I don't know if you noticed, but... um. General Motors, Ford and Chrysler have over the years been outsourcing a lot of jobs, a good amount of jobs, actually. Um, Not just, you know, the typical white, um, the blue, the typical blue collar workers, but also, you know, a couple of white collar workers. And it's quite a shame, really. And, you know, they could talk, they, in in the words of Peter DeLorenzo, they could really talk about, you know, all the statistics and the market forces is forcing them to do it. But in actuality at the very end of the day it's just corporate greed that's all it really is I mean uh the statistic here says that the average uh blue collar factory worker made fourteen dollars an hour back in ninety ninety nineteen ninety whereas uh the same worker in Mexico can you could pay them a good five dollars an hour now that may not seem like a big uh uh jump but consider that it's does really add up when you consider that you have to hire hundreds and hundreds of these blue factory workers to manufacture your vehicles and so overall in the long run it does save a lot of money but of course it can damage your reputation because one you're having to let go of all these blue collar factory workers who have been loyal to the company and of course their reputation gets tarnished you know they're not no longer seen as you know the america's car to buy when you keep outsourcing all these jobs to third world countries not just in mexico but pretty much everywhere in the every, everywhere in the world um lorenzo goes on to say that it's countries in russia not russia i'm sorry what did it say there i'm a bit tired so he had to forgive me <laughs> china of course mexico brazil and various other latin american countries and australia interesting enough so in other words i mean these companies have outsourced all their jobs to these countries, uh, without with little to no regard for their workers here in the United States. You know the ones that have been loyal to them, the ones have been buying that have been buying their products because you know they generally have been good to them throughout the '50s and '60s and '70s when those workers' parents worked for the same companies, because you know it's a reputation, really. Because um, you know you work for these uh, mega corporations. And they were getting paid quite well back in the day. And so, you know, a good company that treats its employees good um, will, of course, uh, get those uh, salaries, I guess you could say, um, back to them. Because, of course, the workers are happy. They're content with the company. They love the company that they work for. And, of course, they're going to buy their products to keep continuing uh, their line of work. But uh, this really happened during the early 80s. Um, it's it's not really a single person, really. It's rather the company's entity as a whole. Shareholders and, you know, top company executives would rather we're seeing, like, the the trend of outsourcing these jobs. And, of course, in the short run, it's pretty good. You know, if you could just fire a few workers here and there, outsource these jobs, we'd save millions of dollars. And, of course, um, you know, they'll, they got the notion that these workers were always going to be loyal to them, but that hasn't turned out to be the case. So, that being said, that goes back to the second reason, and that has to do with the that has to do with really the quality decline of these vehicles. So, not only did these mega corporations outsource many of their workers. And their jobs, but they outsourced, I guess you could say, well, not really outsourced, but they also saw another way to cut corners, cut costs, really, and that's just cut the quality of their vehicles. Um, if you were to compare a 1958 Chevy Impala to today's Chevy Impala, there's actually a world of difference in the quality. Um, my father, who is a big collector of classic cars, noted that, you know, back in the day, Chevy, General Motors, and Ford, well, were pretty much you know really good quality cars you know they were built solid steel solid metal they wouldn't really they wouldn't really rattle and they would actually be very reliable it's funny because he's actually never had any problems with the uh, fifty I think no it's a sixty two Chevy Impala that he has today um, but he said he would never buy a brand new Chevy Impala because he's a mechanic and he always gets customers uh, complaining about the Just the amount of workload you have to do on these cars to maintain them. And so pretty much what these executives did was they cut corners in order to, you know, because, of course, again, in the short run, it's pretty good. You're saving money and you're not going to have to worry, you know, too much. It's all short term. They never really saw long term. So in short, they pretty much cut corners. They cut the quality of these cars. And, you know, this was seen back in two thousand. Eleven, um, when General Motors was being sued by, Cong- or 2000, let me see here, 2000, 2012, when General Motors was, you know, being sued for having faulty ignition switches where, of course, 44 people died of their ignition switches, you know, just shutting off during mid-run, which, of course, killed, you know, they had blood on their hands pretty much. And this was just again another result of corporate greed, cutting corners, cutting costs in order to save money in the short term. In the short term, not really thinking too much in the long term. And pretty much that was these companies' biggest mistakes. They their short sightedness ultimately killed them. And it started really mid eighties, early nineties. Of course, when you cut jobs, you cut quality you know, what's there left to buy? What's there left to, you know, sell uh, customers on? Um, And it happened again, of course, recently back in uh, December, November of 2018, where Mary Barra, the CEO of General Motors, announced that they were going to cut 15,000 blue-collar worker jobs. And of course, this was in the Rust Belt, where, you know, many of these uh, car companies left those areas and outsourced many of their jobs and, you know, brought the stigma that, you know, these car companies aren't loyal to their own people here in the United States. So why the hell should we continue to support this company that doesn't support us? You know, I mean, the CEO, Mary Barr herself, she made $22,400,282 in the 2018 fiscal year. That is troubling. I mean, you, you're cutting 15,000 workers and you're making that much money. I mean, that's there's something wrong there if you really think about it. I mean, again, they could talk about the market forces. They could talk about, you know, it's, you know trends and stuff. But ultimately, it has to do with corporate greed. And David McGee on how Toyota became number one pretty much said it best. Um, he pretty much said that, you know, Toyota didn't have to do too much, you know, these car companies like Ford, General Motors, and Chrysler were shooting themselves in the foot left and right with every stupid short-sighted mistake they made to the point where, you know, Toyota pretty much said, oh, okay, you're doing this wrong. We are going to bring, we're going to hire American workers. We're going to bring more jobs to the rural counties like Kentucky, Indiana, uh, Michigan, Alabama. They pretty much brought with them not only a reputation of, good quality cars but they brought with them jobs They because they wanted to establish a good base here in the United States because there's he pretty much said that there's the and I couldn't say it best myself um Toyota saw the mistakes that these companies were making and they decided to build upon their mistakes fix their mistakes because they knew the American uh auto market was so big so if they could just grab onto their base they can make a ton of money and that's exactly what they did they didn't really have to do with too much and that's the erotic part i mean you don't really hear too much of that happening you you would think that toyota had to like you know work extremely 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 hard to earn you know american uh customers but in actuality they didn't really have to do too much they just pretty much went back to their principles of their founder um ishiguro toyota a uh, Japanese man who pretty much uh, had wanted his car company to have two beliefs: one, to make nothing but the best quality vehicles, and to treat its customers right, its uh, uh people right. And over the years, they have you know built upon those uh, philosophies of his, and look where they are today. <laughs> and it's funny because those two philosophies is something that these American car companies didn't live up to. Ultimately, they didn't live up to those standards, and you know that's something that they still do today. I mean, according to going back to Peter Day Peter Di Lorenzo in the United States of Toyota Toyota now has more factories car car factories in the United States than Ford and Chrysler combined. There's something really wrong with that. I mean, it's funny because he pretty much says that now you know, Ford and General Motors are selling more cars overseas than they are in the United States. Whereas Toyota sells more cars here in North America than they do within, you know, Asia and Japan. Japan, That's so... That's, like, the world's upside down on that one. That's, like, super weird. So, you know, it's funny seeing how things have turned out for these American uh, American auto manufacturers. And, you know, it's not really... It's entirely their fault, really. They pretty much shot themselves in the foot, like I said earlier, with vehicle quality decline, with you know cutting corners, which is what eventually it all comes down to. It comes comes down to one, like I said earlier, corporate greed, and two, vehicle quality decline, which again is a fraction of the corporate greed. And reading these, uh, uh scholarly books, it pretty much said the same thing. It's pretty much has to do, come back with corporate greed short-sightedness not thinking too much in the long term of how to like keep your loyal customer base loyal and it's gotten to the point where now ford and general motors have pretty much cut their uh sedan lineups so by 2021 ford and general motors will no longer sell sedans why because they've been overtaken by toyota and honda two very loyal brands that have established themselves here in the united states as you know patriotic something that Ford and General Motors did very successfully back in their peak of during the 50s and 60s. So, you know, what can you do? Um, and that's really what it all comes down to. So in the future, I'm pretty sure Ford and General Motors are going to be more crippled than they are today, uh, thanks in part, large part to their stupid short-sighted mistakes and their management. So, you know, it is what it is. That's The good thing about capitalism, the customers decide and, you know, these American car manufacturers made their decisions easy for them. You know, don't buy our car brands because we're not loyal to you and we're going to outsource your jobs no matter how good we do. So, you know, what can you do? And that'll just keep happening. I myself will probably buy a Lexus, you know, down the line when I can afford it. (laughs) So there you have it. That's pretty much my final project my vlog i hope you enjoyed it and got some useful information out of it um it's something that has it's really it's, it's a lot of asian culture into it because it's a really big company now um and there you go i'd like to thank you again for listening to my vlog hope it was useful hope, hopefully it was insightful into how toyota became number one and um i'm about to go back again at work at 10 a.m so you know wish me luck. It's very tiring, but it's very fun. And uh, thank you again and have a good morning. Happy Mother's Day.